Hey everyone, just wanted to give you a quick update. Curse of the White Knight number two is coming out this week. I think it's this week anyway. And my Kickstarter for my graphic novel called Bloody Hell is still going. There's a just about a little over a week left, or possibly even less, depending on when this comes out. So it might be your last chance to get in on that. There's uh, As of right now, there's one spot left open for the reward tier to be a guest host on Bat-Ass. So if that's something that you're into, well, you know, you better snatch that up. Anyway, uh, yeah, thanks again for all your support. It's doing really well. We passed $20,000 last weekend, and it's, uh, yeah, it's been really, really great. So thank you to everybody. And if you want to check it out, see what all the fuss is about, you can head over to bloodyhell.com, B-L-O-O-D-Y-H-E-L-1-L.com. All right, thanks, guys. Hey everyone, welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick and with me is... Sean Murphy, your co-host. And we, today we'll be talking about two episodes, uh, Moon of the Wolf and Day of the Samurai. And uh, last episode, Sean, you mentioned that you had a, uh interesting Batman story to tell, but maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll save that to the end of the episode. Just I totally to, uh, forgot about that. <clears throat> But yeah, all right. Well, yeah, I, pro- I probably the... shouldn't have brought it up. No, no, no. It stays in. It's fine. I'm happy to tell it. <laughs> Do you want me to just tell it now? <laughs> sure. Why not? Okay. I'm living in L.A. I'm uh, 26, I think. And I'm dating a girl. I'm going to try not to say the actor's name. Or if I do, Clay will have to bleep it. <laughs> and uh, she happens to be a stripper. Um, I'm not a strip club guy, or I wasn't at the time. And uh, she was a neighbor, and I know it's a bad idea to get mixed up with the neighbors, but whatever. One thing led to another, and we had a very casual relationship. And uh, one time we were getting into it, and it turns out she, she tells me she was uh, went on a date with this famous actor who played Batman. Um, and I was totally struck by it, like not threatened at all, very enthusiastic, mm-hmm. of course. Like, this is amazing. What's he like? How'd you meet? Blah, blah, blah. And... Um, yeah, the other reason I don't want to say his name is I don't know if he was married with kids at the time or whatever, and you know you don't need to know. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so we, so we were getting into it at one point, and uh, we were in her apartment, and uh, phone rings, and uh, I happened to look over at the phone because I was kind of hoping it was Batman, and it was. <laughs> so I stop, and I'm like, uh, "Hey, I, I think this sounds like it's important. You need to take it." She's like, "What do you mean? We're, we're busy right now." I'm like, ah, "I know. Normally, I, it would." You know, I wouldn't be all about stopping if you just talk to another dude. But mm-hmm. come on, this is Batman. <laughs> She's like, "Are you crazy?" I'm like, "Seriously, pick up the phone." And I like grab the phone and I like answer it for her and I hand her the phone. You know, and I'm you know, oh, <laughs> she's boy. talking to this guy and I hear his voice. I'm geeking out and I'm like debating if I'm supposed to like yell out like something from the movie, which I I can't I can't say which one it was. Uh, and she talks to him for a while and he seemed like he was he seemed like he was really interested in her. And uh, I don't know if he knew she, like, was poor like me or was or how they met or if he knew that she was a, an exotic dancer or whatever. And uh, But he seemed very interested in hanging out with her. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't do anything because I, I just respect him too much to <laughs> blurt out something stupid <laughs> while I'm, like, mid-coital with this girl that he wants to hook up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you know the, the you mean uh, you mean you mean the, you respected him <laughs> enough to have her answer the phone while it was happening, but not to blurt something out. Good, good on you. I might have I, I might have plugged her a few extra times while she was talking to Batman, just to feel like you know I was better than oh, Batman. Um, but yeah, they, it you know it was a fine phone call, and it, she finished up and hung up, and I was just like, oh man, that's great. Are you guys gonna go out? And she's like, aren't you and I busy doing something right now? I'm like, no, no, no screw that. Like, I want to know how you guys met and what's it like. Like after you guys go out, I want to know all the details. Like we had that 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 kind of friendship, you know, <laughs> or whatever friendship, whatever and that it was. was the we last had... <laughs> time you ever went out with that woman. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, I, I'm not gonna say the name here, but Clay does know who this is, and he was shocked. I was. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I'll never think about Burt Ward the same way. <laughs> yeah, wow. That, well, um, 
Back to our discussion about this children's <laughs> show. Um. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember her talking to this guy, and I had my face buried in her massive fake tits, and it was amazing listening to Batman. Listen, woo her. <laughs> listen, we've we've already we've already covered hentai, and we've already covered furries, so I guess this is just the next thing on the list. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's do this right. Let's do this right. The next thing on our list is uh, an episode called Moon of the Wolf. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about that. Oh, we we got to do this before the break? Holy shit, this is a great opening. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Moon of the Wolf. Directed by Dick Seabast, written by Len Wein. And in this episode, Batman investigates the appearance of a werewolf-like creature in Gotham, not realizing that the monster happens to be one of Bruce Wayne's associates, Anthony Romulus, ex-Olympic champion. Behind the scheme is twisted chemist Professor Milo. Note, based on the comic story of the same name by writer Len Wein with with art by Neil Adams from Batman 255, April 1974. Mm. Um, This, I feel like this goes on the list of (laughs) episodes I hope were better in the comic or stories I hope were better in the comic. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because it wasn't really... um, Well, first of all, they brought back that stupid professor milo guy from that that terrible catwoman episode um yeah the 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 guy with the bowl the guy with the bowl cut yeah who looks like uh roger roger klotz is that his name from doug he looks like his brother or something dude yeah he looks like an older version of doug that's i was gonna say the same thing that's so funny i didn't know if that joke would land with you so he's uh he's not a very compelling villain (laughs) and honestly i don't even really know what he what the the scheme was Aside from uh, pumping up yeah. this rich guy with st- half steroids and half, half wolf, uh, wolf yeah. timber wolf estrogen, yeah. which I guess turns you into a werewolf, which I never knew. Was it estrogen? Um, Is that right? Was it actually estrogen? Yeah, he said he said it was uh, he said it was steroids and timber wolf estrogen. All right, well, you yeah, got some some feminism for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I, sure. Um, but like, I don't. the The whole thing starts with the the wolf attacking this random zoo guard. Yeah. And he doesn't really play a big part. He's just they just attack him because he I'm not even totally sure why they attack him. Right. But I, I'll be completely honest with you. I kind of zoned out about halfway through this episode. Yeah. No, because uh, it wasn't really landing. with They me. They, they lost me at werewolfism. Yeah. <laughs> an actual an actual medical. I term. do. I do have to give Batman credit because he has no. Well, I have to give him credit and then take credit away. I have to give him credit because he has no qualms whatsoever about just straight up punching a werewolf in the mouth, you know, first yeah. thing. Uh, but then later on, you you find out that he just thought it was a really convincing mask. Right. Yeah. No, this, this, all right. So when I was watching it, I thought how you and I were talking recently about, are there any ones as far as ratings go? And as I turned this on, I thought, I think Moon of the Wolf is definitely a one. Yeah. Um, not to skip to the end, but... Uh, the 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 soundtrack that's like air guitar thing that was just annoying <laughs> after a while had boring dialogue choppy animation it was a by the numbers dumb stupid werewolf story um yeah like i said werewolfism uh and again like bullock was in this episode for some reason but there was literally no reason for him to be in it at all um, right and to me this felt like it should have been a clayface episode because you have this um oh interesting performer who's yeah fit performer who's looking to you know beat the odds and jack up in some way and yeah i, I mean if, if you like clayface just go to a clayface episode like there's really no episode to watch this one would you then have clayface turn into a werewolf no I, all i meant was like um matt hagan needing an edge and he takes some kind of a drug to give him the edge basically is, is what i meant oh yeah okay but the other thing i thought sure. to, to fix sure. this was i thought this would be an interesting man bat story because you already have Man Bat introduced as this person that can change from a human being into a bat, why not make this guy experimenting with Man Bat, uh, you know, morph, morphing or whatever the hell you call it, and have this be the next evolution? You have like a Man Wolf or whatever. Like you could have sort of gone with the lore that already existed in Batman and gone the next step. Or, at the very least, 
at the very least, we said the same thing in the last episode with the Tiger Tiger episode. At the very least, why don't they make it the same guy from Tiger Tiger? Yeah. Oh my God, you're right. The, the yeah. Catwoman episode that that Doctor Milo is from, I don't had nothing to do with uh, werewolves or turning people into animals or anything. The the guy in the literal last episode, his whole thing was turning people into animals. So I don't I don't know why they went and, and dragged this guy out. Right, and they did like two furry episodes, almost back to back, basically mm-hmm. two uh, mm-hmm. anthropomorphized animal stories all in a row. And uh, so, correct. So let's talk about Lin Wayne for a second. Sure, he was the one that invented Wolverine, correct? Uh, yes. Did he invent the Punisher as well? Am I getting that uh, wrong? He. Uh, let me check real quick. Does not look. No, he did not create the Punisher, but he did create create Swamp Thing. He co-created Swamp Thing. Okay. Cool. And he passed away recently, is that true? Yeah, a couple years ago. Okay, cool, yeah. Yeah, I, this felt like a 70s story. Like, I, even with my, like, I'm not a big horror guy, you know this about me, but I tried to put mm-hmm. on my best John Carpenter goggles to be like, all right, I'm going to enjoy this, you know, I'm not into horror, but it doesn't mean that a werewolf episode can't be good. I, I still could not get into this. Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the reasons, so I, I am a big horror guy, and I couldn't get into it either, and yes. I think... <laughs> Part of it is because, um, you know, I think Batman can work in horror stories. I just don't think they leaned into it here. Like, it wasn't, right. you know, there's a difference between really leaning into a horror story and making it, okay, this is a horror Batman story, and making a story that just happens to have a werewolf in it. This is just a story that happens to have a werewolf in it. It's not like right. there's no... Uh, yeah. um, there's no horror elements to it or anything, really. It's just sort of like, yeah, there's a werewolf in this kind of run-of-the-mill crime story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I really don't have a whole lot to say about this one. I, I yeah. hated this episode as a kid. I still don't like it now. As soon as you mentioned this being the next one, I, I thought, like, oh, great, I had to watch that one again. Yeah, the um, the the yeah. the best thing I'll say about it is I thought the werewolf transformation animation was kind of cool, right? Um, you know, the the first time where he turns back into the into the human, it had kind of a cool some cool movement to it as far <laughs> as him, you know, the body yeah. changing and stuff. Uh, but overall, I thought the animation was pretty bad. Uh, it was yeah. like you said, it was choppy. Yeah. There was some really weird like wide shot movements. That mm. seemed really stiff and slow. Like uh, at the beginning, um, when the wolf is chasing down the security guard, they pull to this like wide shot, and so and and you see the wolf just like casually jumping across the frame, and then kind of taking a right, yeah. and then casually jumping across this bridge, right. chasing the guy. Yeah, and it just it looked really cheap and and stiff, and it was it was uh, it, it wasn't great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. I mean, how would you? How would you? So I mentioned making this a man bad episode or like a clayface episode. Yeah. How would you fix this episode? I just I would do I would do the opposite. I would say I would lean into the horror stuff. You know, I would just go if you're going to do a werewolf, just do go full full Castlevania with it or something. You know, like make it mm-hmm. make it worthy of putting a werewolf into it. Um, right. You know, I don't I don't have a problem with werewolves in general. Uh, I just think you know. If you're going to do a horror story, do a horror story. Right. Don't pussyfoot around it. I was going to ask you if you've ever uh, drawn a uh, werewolf story in a comic before. I have, yes. Uh, the first, one of the first comics that I did out of college was a werewolf story. Um, it was fine. <laughs> uh, it was. It's not my best work. Um it's uh I enjoy I enjoyed it, you know, drawing werewolves is fun, but uh it's not something that I look back on that I would want to show a lot of people unfortunately. Yeah. Did you have a way to draw werewolves that um you tried to make unique? Uh not I you know, honestly, I I I don't really know. I kind of I kind of based my werewolf design off of um Bram Stoker's Dracula a little bit right. when he the, that kind of weird like snub nose uh, werewolf that he turns into in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to do it a little bit differently, but uh, you know I didn't I didn't try to reinvent the wheel or anything. Right. I did a. Why, why do you ask? I was just curious. I I did a werewolf story um, 
one of my first gigs coming out of college actually i i just moved to la and um i got a gig with dark horse called um fuck (laughs) shit i can't think of it right now um but it was written by this writer named jason aaron and it was a buffy the vampire slayer meets uh crush it was was called crush that's right c-r-u-s-h and it was part of Rocket Comics, which mm-hmm. was a line that Dark Horse was trying to do at the time. <clears throat> I was happy to take the work, and it paid pretty well, and I needed the money, and blah, blah, blah. But I remember drawing it and trying to... There was a panel description where these nerds, like these geeky nerds in high school, are the ones that turned into werewolves. So you have a big reveal of these werewolves, mm-hmm. but they're wearing like Hawaiian shirts and nerdy flip-flops. And <laughs> they, like I remember this panel. So I didn't know if I was supposed to draw it like legit scary, but they were also nerds. And keep in mind that like, he wanted the werewolves to still be wearing glasses and stuff like that. Um, so I drew it kind of hokey because I thought it was supposed to be hokey. And uh, once we finished the mm-hmm. uh, series, he called me because I guess Fox was interested uh, in it, but I never heard anything back from that. And he was talking about how you know happy he was with the book and all that stuff. And he, he was like... Uh, the only thing I don't like is how nerdy you drew the werewolves. And I'm like, you told me to draw them nerdy. He's like, well, I wanted them nerdy scary, not nerdy nerdy. <laughs> like, what, is, what the fuck does that mean, dude? <laughs> and he's like, do you think they're going to option this at Fox? I'm really excited. I'm like, no, I wouldn't buy this. <laughs> yeah, nerdy. I made the mistake of being like way too honest with him, and uh, we haven't really spoken since. <laughs> no, and I mean, he just, you know, unfortunately floated off into obscurity, you know? It's the last the comics world ever heard of Jason Aaron. Yeah. Um, yeah, nerdy scary. I don't even know what nerdy scary would really be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like that's a good I, That's a good name for an anthology comic, like a bunch of horror stories under the title Nerdy yeah. Scary and see what right. people come up with. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I had a guy write, a writer once say, uh, I need this girl to be nerdy, uh, sorry, sexy dangerous, <laughs> not dangerous sexy. Yeah, I to this day I, I have no idea what that means. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like a character description written by a guy. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> that's definitely what it was. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Uh, have you ever seen that? I think it's a Twitter account of uh, just the way women characters are described in movie scripts, and it's like it's like crowdsourced <laughs> from all these actresses who go out for parts and stuff. Yeah, I've seen stuff like that. Yeah, there. It's like every one of them is always like. Hot, but not too hot, but also smart, and like just these really ridiculous base level, uh, you know, ways of describing (laughs) a a female character that are, you know, I understand why they get mad about it because it's pretty insulting. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, uh, my favorite part of this episode is the scene where Batman is just like being bored watching National Geographic about wolves. (laughs) Well, well, Alfred fixes the Batmobile. So yeah, I, and then I had, Batman just jumps into the car before she before he's even done, and is just like zooms yeah. off. Yeah, like I guess you don't need this carburetor installed, Bruce. Yeah, let me just uh, you don't need the, the you don't need the radiator cap or anything. Just feel free to take take off. Uh, is this the first time that we've seen Alfred actually like <laughs> Do doing mechanical work <laughs> on the car? Um, I think it might be. Yeah, like because I, I now the thing that's interesting to me is is this the f- is is him is the Alfred from this show doing work on the Batmobile? Is that the first time ever that Alfred is shown as doing work on the Batmobile? Like that he's more than just a butler? Yeah, good question. I didn't think to research that. That was actually the scene I wanted to draw. Was Batman fixing the Bat? I'm sorry, Alfred fixing the Batmobile. Yeah, that seems right up your alley. <laughs> Uh, what what would you draw? Uh, you know, I'll I'll be honest with you. Batman fighting a werewolf would be pretty fun to draw. I think. Um, I think again. I think you know it, it's funny that Neil Adams did this in the comic because this feels like a Bernie Wrightson story, a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I mean, <clears throat> Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson co-created Swamp Thing. He was all about the gothic horror stuff and and the uh, you know monster tradition in comics and this would have been a fantastic bernie Wrightson and stuff yeah. i'm actually looking at it right now and it it does feel kind of uh it's definitely neil adams but it does have a bit of a uh a bernie Wrightson feel to it right yeah. yeah i could see that i mean what is it do we already talk about horror stories in general and why you like them 
Do we get into this yet? Uh, I don't know if we have actually. I don't know if we've ever really gotten into that. Do you? Uh, well, your favorite movie is The Thing in Ghostbusters, correct? Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, let's short answer yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you grow up on horror movies? Did you have so many uh, like parents who were introducing you to them, or like an older brother, older friend, or something? Um, I well, I. When I was uh, really young, my aunt babysat me for like th- a, f- a few years, and uh, she had all of her kids were were older than I was. Her youngest son was about six years older than I was, so I came to most of that stuff through hanging out with them. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, yeah. I Ghostbusters, Rocky, <laughs> all that, all that that core. <laughs> 80s stuff right, came right. Uh, came from that. Do you remember your first horror, horror movie? <clears throat> first horror movie? Uh, first proper horror movie. I, you know, I don't. Um, I I do have a memory of, of going over to somebody's house when I was young and they were watching one of the Friday the 13th. No, sorry. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And there was a scene where uh, Freddy, this girl's in a... Uh, um, at the at, at the hospital, and Freddy shows up, and he's in uh, as the nurse, and he's instead of blades on his fingers, he's got um, syringes, and I thought that right. was like the scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, but I did I did find out recently. When I say find out, I mean like rediscover. Um, right. <clears throat> have you seen Monster Squad? Oh yeah, of course. So I. Uh, I watched Monster Squad a lot when I was younger, and then I I didn't watch it for maybe like twenty five years. You know, I, I just fell off my radar or whatever. Then it came out on DVD, and I was like, oh, I love that movie. I'm gonna, you know, I grabbed it on DVD and I watched it, and I w- I it it floored me because basically every thing that I like is in that movie. Like, that's, like, the genesis of everything that I like. Oh, I see. Whether it's the, you know, universal monster-type stuff or the uh, group of uh, of uh, uh, the team that comes together to try and, you know, yeah. accomplish uh, a mission or X, Y, Z. All of this stuff, like, the, uh, uh, the 80s kind of horror stuff, all of it is, like, synthesized into that movie. Right. And I was very shocked to find that out because I had never put the pieces together like that before. Yeah, yeah. No, it's the wellspring from which you flow, as Conan would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the, the the first horror movie I saw was uh, The Blob, like the late 80s oh, yeah, yeah, version. Yeah. I remember seeing it in a, a drive-in movie theater in uh, New Hampshire. It still exists. There's one in Where's mm-hmm. Beach that has four screens. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember seeing it, and uh, I my parents normally wouldn't l- have let me watch it, but, you know, you can't move the car, so we're just sort of stuck right. watching it. And I remember it really freaked me out, but there's something about it, too. And I remember rewatching it recently, and I've only seen it once, but I can't believe how many scenes I actually recall pretty vividly having seen it again recently. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember the whole thing where, like, the, the, the outcast of the school was this, like, hair metal guy with a motorcycle and then like the good guy was the jock but he got taken up by the blog first or something something i don't know something like that <laughs> but i love the idea that the uh the punk kid was was supposed to be the bad guy but he actually ended up being the hero of the story in the end you know right yeah well actually monster monster squad has kind of a similar thing where there's a uh you know <laughs> uh i guess he i guess he was not a villain but he's kind of a a, a cool punk older kid who ends up hanging out with a bunch of these young kids to take yeah. down uh well he's hanging out because he wants to see the kid's sisters naked but yeah. that's, you know neither here nor there and he beca- ends up becoming a very integral part of the team yeah but the but the call and the, the call to action is there i mean yeah you might be a little bit on the wild side kind of an anti-hero but when push comes to shove man you've got that sweet switch blade that looks like a comb or whatever oh yeah hell <laughs> yeah yeah, a nice like early '80s mullet and a don't give a shit attitude. Yep. You can be the hero of this movie. And the the he has the best line in the movie when he's going off to fight the uh, the three brides of Dracula, and they tell him to stop or something, and he just turns around and says, "I'm part of the goddamn club, aren't I?" And then he just it's, <laughs> that was I like stood up and I clapped when I saw that again after <laughs> watching it, <laughs> not watching it for so many years. Oh, I thought you did that the first time you saw it. Like you stood up, Clay, age seven, stood up and slow clapped in the theater. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent writing. Uh, yeah, the horror stuff. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why I find it. It's. It's kind of my the genre I prefer. It's. Uh, I. I think it's just. I, I find it more expressive, and uh, I think you can go through 
so many different ranges of emotion under the horror banner. You can do drama, yeah. you can do comedy, you can do just straight scary stuff. Um, yeah. It kind of it covers everything in a way. In a, and, it, and it's always full of like interesting high concept. Well, not always, but it tends to be full of like interesting high concept ideas uh, to put uh, a spin on some stuff. So, yeah, right. it's always something that I've just found really, yeah. really engaging. If it's done well, I, I agree. But I mean, I feel like a lot of you know film kids in college and people starting out, they usually gravitate towards horror because the bo- the bar is set pretty low to do a pretty good horror. There's so much bad horror out there that mm-hmm. if you can do like a mediocre mm-hmm. one, then good for you. You don't need a lot of budget. You know, you can shoot it kind of wherever. You get some blonde girl who's good at screaming. Right. I mean, I find I find that a horror tends to trap a lot of crappy young filmmakers which gives the genre a bad name i don't know how you feel about that yeah you know i think i think it's a double-edged sword about why it's about how it's so easy to do it because yeah it's so easy to do it so then a lot of people who are not very good at their job can can do it yeah it's also really easy to do it in that people who are really good at their job can do it and do it well and use that as a stepping stone like you know sam raimi uh Right. One of the, you know, these, he, I don't know how I would describe him at this point. He's a very popular director anyway. Uh, started off doing The Evil Dead, which is a, a, a nothing a nothing budget movie that they shot in a cabin in Tennessee or whatever. And is one of the, uh, mm-hmm. at the time, was one of the scariest movies to come out around that time. And it cost like $30, you know? Wow, yeah. It is amazing when you get a good one. Like, I remember, uh, I'm not a horror guy at all, but when I saw the movie Saw for the first time, um, yeah, or the mm-hmm. ring, or a lot of those things. Like, uh, it is pretty amazing. It's not my thing, but I can definitely see why people like it. In a way, the whole thing about um, horror is a way of dealing with death. In a way, it makes death uh, less intimidating, less scary if you're yeah. able to enjoy it and laugh at it. In a way, sure. I, I don't know. Yeah, I um, I was just talking to Wes about uh, Hereditary. I don't know if you've seen Hereditary. No, but, um, no. Hereditary is really kind of skirts this line where you know it's it's really easy um to to draw horror stuff into the comedy realm mm-hmm. because you just end up laughing at the ridiculousness of the situation and it's and it can be kind of easy to 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 do that hereditary does stuff that just makes you feel really uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's things will happen and your first instinct is to kind of like laugh at it because of the the uh, how absurd and and intense the thing is, but then when they don't back away from it and it's and it's not played for laughs, you just feel really kind of disturbed at your own kind of reaction because it's because you don't really know how you're supposed to feel, mm-hmm. and it just really uh, it's a new feeling that from watching a horror movie that I can't say that I've, I've had before, yeah. um, and it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch. That movie's something else. Yeah. I'll have to give it a shot, man. But anyway, back to <laughs> Batman. So what would you give this uh, episode as a, as a rating? What would you give this episode? Yeah, I'm going to have to say one. There's got Something's got to be a one, and this is I think this is going to be it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just there's nothing, <laughs> nothing engaging about it. Uh, it doesn't do anything interesting. Half yeah. the episode is told through flashback. <laughs> Just the, the, the yeah. my my least favorite kind of flashback where it's the villain telling someone who already knows all this stuff, just telling them the story they already know out loud because we don't know it, so we have to know it. You know, I hate that kind of flashback. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm not even totally sure what the what the plot was. So there was a there's one scene that did make me laugh out loud. It's towards the beginning. Uh, Gordon is in his office at night and he picks up the phone and he dials and Batman walks in and yeah. he hangs the phone. He's a real up dick in this episode. <laughs> he even doing, man. You didn't know what that phone call was. What if he needed yeah, his medication? Yeah. He even uh even at the beginning after he saves the guard, he's kind of a dick to him too, where he's like, uh, you should probably get out of here. Uh yeah. Chris. Yeah. And then the Later on, uh, Batman is describing that uh, to somebody else that uh, someone got attacked, and he goes, "I think it was a, I think it was someone who might have worked for the zoo." It's like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. You literally <laughs> took two seconds and like leaned down. To, you read his name tag, asshole. 
<laughs> yeah. He's really got his mind on something else. Like, not even he wants to be dealing with a fucking werewolf at this point, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, so I'll go, I'll go a one as well. If there has to be a one, this is definitely a one, and I'm just happy that we don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, I guess that's going <laughs> to... That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, let's take a break, and then we will be back with the next one. All right, we're back. The next episode we're doing is called Day of the Samurai, written by Steve Perry, directed by Bruce W. Tim. And in it, Kyodai Ken kidnaps Kairi. Ooh, that's some nice alliteration there. Uh, star pupil of Yoru Sensei, the, ma- Yoru Sensei, the martial arts instructor who taught both Kyodai and Bruce. The ninja's ransom for her is a scroll that teaches lo- the location of the fabled death touch. Um, so you mentioned this one before because we did the, uh, the previous episode that had Kyodai Ken in it. Say, and you thought that this one was a lot better. I, I don't know. Um, I would say seventy-five percent of this for me was still pretty boring. Um, but I thought that last fight on the volcano was really cool. I thought the animation was great. I thought that fight on a volcano was better than the entire volcano fight in the third uh, Star Wars prequel. Um, but the <laughs> rest of it, I don't know. It was you know, it was fine. I guess uh, I yeah. like the thing about him knowing who Batman was because of the fighting style. That was cool. Right. Uh, but yeah, it just seemed like it was, uh, I don't know. It was fine. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely teed this one up as, uh, you know, the first Kyodai Ken episode is not great, but the second part of it kind of mm-hmm. makes up for it. Um, I think this one was definitely better than the first one. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I love that there's this 500 year flashback of this, you know, five fingered death punch that, this clan knew about and no one wanted to share the secret because it was just too too dangerous for mankind to know about it or whatever yeah. um and i love the storytelling element of this volcano in the background that's kind of like a um thematic device that shows the boiling over of all this rage or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. um and they like i imagine this episode without a volcano and it's not nearly as good the fact that they added the volcano just not just to have a nice set piece at the end but to sort of bolster the storytelling in this i i thought that really went a long way with with me um yeah i'm a big fan of like musashi and the book of five rings which is like if you go into samurai culture in Japan, he's kind of like the Robin Hood c- character of Japanese uh, sword fighters and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the idea that they uh, hid this scroll in one of a thousand caves. And I thought they handled the flashback in this pretty well also. Uh, my my big beef was it, with it was that I think the sensei should have known that Bruce was Batman, but he sh- he wouldn't have quite said that. Mm-hmm. I think that... You know, if you fight someone, you can kind of learn who they actually are by their fighting style. I think the sensei should have said something like, hey, can you get your friend Batman to come here and help us out? Wink, wink. And kind of done something like that, you know? Yeah, I uh, I was kind of expecting them to do that at the end when they kind of had that last scene with uh, sensei and, and, and Bruce. I thought they were going to make some sort of wink to uh, him knowing that he was Batman instead of instead of him just being like, yeah, and you tell that Batman. He's a swell guy. You know, do you get to hang out with him? Because he seems like he's pretty cool. I wish I know who, knew who Batman was, because yeah. I'd like to hang out with him socially. Totally. Um, yeah, I agree. And I, when, I, when we got to the finale, I thought about the uh, fire-lit Batman, which yeah. you must have fucking loved, of course. Yeah, well, you know, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I thought that stuff was great, and... Uh, um, I the uh, this was another one where the animation for most of it felt kind of stiff to me except it did. I feel like they stepped it up um in the fu- in the fighting stuff cuz the early like that <clears throat> first scene with uh uh Kaidai Ken and 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 Kairi um I thought the fighting was a lot better than it was in the last uh yeah 
samurai episode, and I, I believe yeah. that was something we both talked about was how it's an episode that has a lot of fighting in it, and the fighting just looked yeah. terrible. Yeah. Uh, um, but but the regular the regular animation for most of it felt kind of stiff. There was there were more of those like uh, kind of awkward wide shots where you you're watching someone just walk across a room and it doesn't really quite work. <laughs> yeah. But man, that fight scene at the end yeah. was so good. Yeah. They were they were doing like 360 moves in front of this exploding volcano and yeah. like all the all the karate stuff looked really cool. I thought stuff that stuff was great. They definitely saved their uh, uh saved the good stuff for the end. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the animation was a little bit off model, but yeah. I thought the it looked like it was trying to be the 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 old Superman cartoons. Um, it, everyone looked a little bit doughy, but yes. I felt like it still kind of worked. Um, one thing I did notice was the background designs were amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I think they probably did all that stuff in studio, but they had um, Bruce staying in a room with Alfred that had all these like um, woodcut Japanese prints in it. And the way they uh, rendered Japan, I never told you which city it was in, but it would, clearly had a different vibe than Gotham did. Like the buildings didn't look deco or anything. If you go back and watch this, I think it's worth paying attention just to the backgrounds because they did kind of go all out to make this look different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as as far as uh, as far as the flashback thing goes, a uh, it shocks me that you were it, that you really like the five hundred year old flashback in a Batman story. Um, <laughs> five hundred is too much. I would have gone three hundred. <laughs> yeah. Uh, B. Um, I think the flashback in this is better than the flashback in the previous episode because you're actually learning new information and is not just someone mm-hmm. explaining something that the character who is being explained to already knows. And they're doing it in kind of an interesting way. Um, it's, it's kind of a mythic kind of story. If I had to do something different with that, um, I would have gone over the top with the design maybe and made it a little mm-hmm. bit more kind of like mythic looking. Uh, maybe lean into right. um, Japanese illustration a little bit and make it. I mean, you only got so, they got to get these episodes out. I understand, but I think yeah. that would have been a cool excuse to do something a little bit different there instead of right. just using a guy that looks exactly like the sensei. Right. One thing I thought you would have liked more, and I actually thought that they should have done this throughout the episode, but right at the end, uh, sensei tells Bruce that uh, Bruce. Sorry, Bruce says that. Kyodai Ken is a ninja. He's like a lawless ninja without honor or something like that. And his sensei mm-hmm. says, no, 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 he was, he was, but Batman is not a ninja. Batman's a samurai. Batman has honor. Batman this, Batman that. Which I thought was great. But I kind of wish the um, moral of this story was more of that. Like, what if you led, you started out with the story of Batman feeling like he's not much different than some lawless ninja? Yes. And by the end of the story, yeah. he realizes that he's someone with honor. Um, and it also kind of mirrors towards the ends of the fight scene at the volcano. Uh, Batman tries to help Kyodai Ken by tossing him a line to bring him back or whatever. And Kyodai Ken just takes the batarang on a rope and just kicks it into the lava and he bows. And then there's this, this giant explosion. So he sort of dies with honor. Mm. I feel like there was a way to take that and the, um, the moral of a story at the very end and sort of lean into that a bit more. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think that's a really good a really good ad um, would be the stuff at the beginning. Uh, if you had Batman feeling like he was in a in a in a low place as far you know uh, morally or or honor wise, um, mm-hmm. and thinking he's no better than a sam than a ninja, I think that would have gone a long way. Definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it's a shame. It's a shame that they didn't. I don't know. Maybe if it was a time thing or what, but I. It, it's a shame that they didn't have a chance to get into that because I think that that would have made this. Uh, if they had done that, that would have made this like a five for me. I think. Yeah. Because it's that kind of like uh, um, thematic storytelling that when they yeah. do it in this show, it's it's excellent. And they right. had the opportunity. You're right. They had the opportunity, but they just didn't go for it. Yeah. I think that I I, I give this episode more credit than it deserves because. You know, you're do, you're taking Batman out of Gotham, but it still works. Like, they didn't tell you which city in Japan it was. They didn't expand on the world that much. It's, mm-hmm. all, it's Japan, whatever, who cares? Batman, he's, a lot of places, he's Japan, and here he is in a, in a uh, you know, fighting studio, whatever it is. I feel like that it was handled very well, considering it was sort of a different sort of episode than what we usually get. You know what I mean? Um, like yeah. I, I think I give them a lot of points for the attempt, uh, even though I think the animation was bad. Even though I think you could make a few tweaks and make this fifty percent better, 
Uh, yeah, maybe that's why I'm so generous with this episode. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, I think this one has a lot of potential um, that maybe I, they they just left left some some money on the table, so to speak. Yeah. You know, um, for sure. It seemed. I I think I think by looking at it, it seems like they really put their the effort behind. Okay, we're bringing we're bringing him to Japan, so let's go all out with the backgrounds and make sure that stuff's nice and tight. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we really need to sell this fight at the end, so let's make sure that mm-hmm. stuff looks great. Yeah. And uh, you know, sometimes sometimes something gets lost in in the, sh- totally. in the shuffle, and it's not bad. It's not a bad episode yeah, at yeah. all. I think it's yeah. uh, I think it it's it's totally totally works and uh, um I I would be interested to watch this one again yeah. because I wonder if I would like it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, um, I I yeah. I'm trying to think about my grading, I don't, I don't want to spoil it now. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you was, um, <laughs> what did you think about when uh so, Kyoraken is practicing this death move on this dummy yeah and bruce finds the dummy later and he finds the soft spot and he's like oh i never yeah. would have thought that it would have been right there and of course the soft spot is right in the middle of your chest because yes. later on yeah. he's fighting kyodai ken and kyodai ken does the move luckily bruce once again uses a tea tray to save his <laughs> to save himself <laughs> like michael keaton and batman yes yeah yeah i uh, i i thought it was hilarious too because the the actual illustration of the death punch move just looked like two fingers going into like a butthole so i was like yeah that'll do it i mean you know <laughs> I, yeah uh, there's one character that says i know i never would have thought that it would be there yeah like that's the weak spot yeah. like yeah right smack in the middle of the chest yes. right where the bat symbol is yeah who would have thought it would be right there <laughs> yeah yeah luckily there's no in, you know uh vital organs in that general area that could be possibly damaged yeah um yeah yeah. You know, the other thing that I think I give this episode points for is there's a lot of Japanese spoken and you're yes. they're asking yes. you to read a lot of uh yeah. I think for a kids show that's extremely rare and I just I thought each I think even um Kevin Conroy had to speak some Japanese. Yeah, he does a little uh, bit, yeah. In a couple of the scenes too. And it's funny cuz whenever he says a word like uh instead of saying the word samurai, like I just said he'd be like samurai. Like mm-hmm. he would definitely like Japanese it up a bit when he would say Japanese <laughs> yes. words. <Yes. laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> Like uh, you mean like your white friends do when you're in Brooklyn ordering Mexican food? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, I think I think they definitely they definitely put some some extra oomph into this into certain aspects of this. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's like one one script rewrite away from being a really great episode. I think everything else yeah. they brought you know came to play, but. Um, yeah, I think it's just missing one one piece, but that's not quite quite there. That's fair. That's fair. Honestly, I I, I want to give this a four, but I I think I probably can go as high as a three and a half. Yeah, but I yeah. want to say four, but I just can't. I don't think I can go four. Yeah, I think I think I'm going three with this one as well. Um, what yeah. do you uh, What would you What would you want to draw from it? Oh, definitely the uh, silhouette volcano fight scene. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> hey, um, tell me about. What what is your theory on flashbacks as they pert- as they attain pertain to uh, comic books? Um, so uh, uh, to to give I, this more context, I could say, and when you when I I read you know so my writing style comes from screenplays and generally right as a general rule in screenplays you you don't go to flashbacks unless you really 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 have to. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a crutch that you use without thinking about it first. And there's a ton of great movies that won awards that have flashbacks, so I'm not opposed to them. But I feel like one of those challenges for me to learn was in comics, flash, flashbacks is kind of our thing. Like comic books make use of flashbacks all the time. Right. It is such a big part of our language. It took me a while before I learned how to break that rule with authority because I just thought that we weren't supposed to do it. How do you feel about flashbacks? Um, I... Mm. <clears throat> I don't love them generally. Um, I think it depends on on how you're how you're going to handle it. Um, like if you if if you know half of half of comic books is 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 text, right? So you're going to be reading stuff, and you gotta you you're gonna have to just do a bunch of exposition at a, at certain points, right? And doing 
A flashback with exposition on top of it is an easy way to make that um, very not boring to read, you know. Um, but I, th- you know, I I think my feeling is kind of kind of what I the the way I feel about these two episodes. I, f- I feel like if it's if it's someone who is imparting information uh, to someone else, and you're just illustrating that information through a flashback, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a, that can be a really easy crutch to to lean on, uh, because then every time you know something happens, it's like oh well, let's quit, let's jump to a flashback and explain this for three pages. I, I don't I don't love that stuff. I I like it more when it's treated like a uh, mm-hmm. like more of a a part of the story than 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 someone taking time to kind of grind everything to a halt. Yeah. And uh and so they can ex- they can tell a long form story, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I um as much as I don't like flashbacks, I've written them in almost every story I've ever done. And um Punk Rock Jesus was sort of laid out like Forrest Gump where you have uh, an A plot and you had the flashbacks, but the flashbacks had their own timeline that had to go in their own beginning middle end three right. act structure as well. Mm-hmm. And then you had to think of good reasons why these flashbacks would would uh hit at certain points in the a plot so you know you can't just have a character read a journal and in the beginning of every comic you just read a few more pages of that journal you should try to find compelling reasons that gets that main character back into the state of mind to learn the next scene right flashback right so it's really really hard like i and i'm not saying that I, i did it well um it's kind of an unnecessary. Sorry, sorry. It's kind of a necessary evil that I've heard. I've had to deal with because I just tend to write complicated stuff that I don't know involves. Play. One day I want to write a nice linear, very clean, you know, John Wick type of story that doesn't involve a lot of complicated flashbacks. But I just I always seem to overcomplicate the scripts. Yeah, I think I think the biggest trap that people can fall into writing writing uh, uh, flashback scenes is if you have. The dialogue or whatever the, is in the caption being read just be mimicking exactly yeah, what yeah. you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's when it's like, why are we even doing this? You know, right. it, it, th- those two things need to work in concert with each other and let mm-hmm. s- let some of them do some of the work and let the other half do the rest of the work. You know, right? right. Uh, it's like it's like watching a um, a movie commentary track where the director is just explaining to you what's happening. Right, which I'm shocked at how many of them do that because it's friggin' ins- it, it drives me nuts. Yeah, where it's just sure. like, oh, and here's the part where he walks in. This is where uh, <laughs> where Arnold walks in and he uh, cuts his arm off. Yeah, you can see him cutting his arm <laughs> off and revealing that he has a robot arm underneath. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like uh, yes, I obviously that's what I'm watching on the screen. Yeah, if you're gonna do that, it better be a comedy. Yeah, I think I think that stuff just at least in movies comes from uh, the commentaries comes from them being. Uh, unsure what to do with the space that they're given right so they just feel like they have to talk but uh as yeah, far as yeah. as far as flashbacks and stuff i hate that when it's like and that's when i picked up the magic scepter and it's just a picture <laughs> of them picking up the magic scepter it's like, yeah. yeah okay yeah you got yeah. you know what you use this spe- my 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 thought process about flashbacks in comics is it they should be fairly limited and mm-hmm. you should use that limited space to the to to the uh maximum potential right as far as telling a story i agree you know we should do a, a separate podcast sometime talking about how if when you're the writer and the artist um you can sort of pull flashbacks off a lot better mm-hmm. i think it's one of the assets that you and i have that a quote-unquote real writer doesn't have so what i'm talking about is i think a lot of writers will write flashbacks uh they'll keep the dialogue consistent to what the panel description is so you run into that problem you're complaining about where you see a guy pick up mm-hmm. a sword and you're writing, so then I picked up a sword. And I think the reason that happens in comics is because the writer doesn't always know that the artist is actually going to draw what he says he's going right, to, what's right. in the script. So you want to cover your bases just by making sure. When you are writing and drawing your own shit, you know not to bother with the dialogue in that scene. Just show him picking up the sword. And if you want to have some voiceover, you know, have him thinking about something that's completely unrelated. Now you've got like a scene that's working on two levels. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that when you write and draw your own shit, you can control that stuff much better than when you're just a writer. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. there's a whole conversation we could have about that because I, I have a whole list of things that I think when your artist writers can do better than if you're just a writer. 
that I think a lot of people just don't don't really think about. Yeah. You know, but yeah, maybe maybe next yeah, time. Yeah, we we could we should definitely do like a uh, <clears throat> like a, a separate episode talking about something like that, or we should just wait till the next terrible episode and then we can. Just cover that for a couple minutes and then talk about flashbacks the rest of the time. Yeah. Or I can tell you the story about how I uh, banged some famous dude's, whatever, stripper girlfriend. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't really have that many stories. I'm not really a player. I, I don't have many of these. I don't know why they keep coming up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, I think I would draw, I would, I would love to draw the volcano thing, but I would also, I think Batman in Japan in general would just be really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's so much cool stuff to draw in general in Japan, and putting Batman in there would just be, you know, would just be, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I'm a three, and you mm-hmm. said you're like a three and a half. Yeah, I wish it was a four. Oh, I wish it was a four, but no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I want to tell you. We're done with Day of the Samurai. We just did Moon of the Wolf, and before that, we did Tiger, Tiger. Uh, next time, we're coming back to another person turns into an animal episode. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, because apparently they wanted to do a bunch of those. Next time, we're going to be doing Terror in the Sky, which actually is a man-bat episode. After oh, my they God. W- yeah. whiffed on that. <laughs> and then uh, the second one, however, what, however, the other one is almost got him, which is you know obviously oh. a famous one. It's going to be a fun one to do. Thank God, thank God. Oh my God, yeah, that's a top ten for sure. Yeah. So yeah, if you enjoy the show, thanks for listening. Uh, if you got any questions, you can shoot us shoot them over to us at uh, batasspodcast at gmail dot com. B a t t a s s podcast at gmail dot com, or follow us on Twitter. Uh, at Batass Podcast. That's at B A T T A S S Podcast. And uh, if you want to give us a rating or review on iTunes or, you know, tell your parents about how much you enjoy it and how much you enjoy the irreverent stories that we tell. Yeah. Uh, S- say hi to your mom for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Say hi to all of your moms for us. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it. We'll be back next time with uh, Terror in the Sky and Almost Got Him. Thanks, guys. Let me go.